And I think that's one of the things that makes that would drive me crazy about people who could just throw out Bible verses. It's almost like they, it was done in the spirit of weaponization. Yeah, exactly. And that is an issue now. They right. weaponize the scripture when it should be freeing. It should free us. The good news. The gospel. The good news. Yeah. And I mean, my way of thinking is if it if it's not a, if it's not got love in it, then you need to question or oh, really. Welcome to With Grits and Grace, Love Molly Kate. I'm Molly Kate. This season, we have as our primary guest, my minister, Reverend Ben Wells of St. Francis Episcopal Church. And we have many different conversations as I go through the discernment process, trying to figure out if I want to go into the ordained ministry. And later, there will be other guests as well. For today's episode, we discuss how often the church is used, excuse me, the Bible is used as a weapon, and the church has at times cozied up to power among other things. Thank you very much. Oh, did you say bye? And that's the one and a half year old chiming in. (laughs) Yes, it was video. Um, I don't remember there being a specific scripture in the video. It was more about, um, like how we need to be reading the Bible more yeah. from what I recall. Um, I was going to try and rewatch all those yeah, today, I, okay. but what I have an issue with that. <laughs> it's not an issue with reading the Bible. It's not about, it's. Okay, go ahead. I'll let you finish before I... No, it, it reminded me... Did you listen to the Bishop's most recent podcast? I think. Or I read. I remember hearing or reading about... We need to read and do more mm-hmm. Bible work. Yeah. So his, he has turned to that. Because he now wants the catechism, catechism to be the basis for confirmation. And I'm fine with that. Uh, but to me, that's telling me that he thinks we're getting pretty lax on stuff. That was basically the message I got. Okay. And it was almost like, a, I think, what was the phrase? It was I don't know if I'm paraphrasing or what, but it was almost like an emotional maturity with the Bible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it kind of hit home for me because uh, I've been a little lazy with my Bible readings. And I think that's... See... Well, let me yeah. ask you a question. Yeah. When you're sitting in there and they read the scripture mm-hmm. and a psalm, mm-hmm. we read more scripture than any other, well, I won't say any other, <laughs> than most Pentecostal or, or evangelical churches by far. Well, yeah, in church, Sunday. yeah, 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 on a Sunday. So, as part of the what service. What are you doing when all that's going on? And I know you can't always be like, but how for, for the most part, I am thinking about it and contemplating the reading and thinking about how it's going to apply to my life and and okay. thinking about the sermon and 
and and really just I mean I'm I'm thinking it through. Well, you are doing scripture work. Yes, doing I scripture I work. Don't want anybody telling us we're not doing some scripture work? Or I'll just pack it in <laughs> on the sermons and we'll just do a canon. <laughs> um. Now I think I think some of my thoughts, at least when it came to what they were saying, because it, what what Bishop was saying in the podcast, from what I can recall, was basically like you know, we we need to be better about going through and reading our Bibles ourselves and whatnot. And I guess to some extent I can see that because I, and it could be, so I'll reflect back on what I said last time, how I had been jealous in the past of friends who just were like rock solid in their convictions and whatnot in a similar way. It's not like a jealousy, I guess, maybe a little bit of an enviousness of people who can just spit out Bible verses. But at the same time, I wonder if those people from, I guess, other denominations, are they really understanding the words that are in front of them? Are they thinking critically about it? No, that's exactly what my problem is. Right. You can read that. Right. Paul rarely makes sense if you just read it because he is so verbose. <laughs> and and I understand because you're writing on animal skin. If you want to change the course of your sentence, you have to change it with words. <laughs> you can't just erase it. Right. So, and a lot of the stuff, it really needs to be read and studied in community. Now, am I saying you shouldn't read yeah. your Bible? No. Does that automatically mean you're going to understand it? No. Yeah. Point the eunuch and Philip. They had read it together. The eunuch said, I don't understand this. Philip and him discussed it. Then he got baptized. So, and by the way, eunuch in ancient times did not just mean somebody without testimony. <laughs> Good to know. It probably was people that weren't trying to have children, like gay people. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Were or couldn't. Have yeah. Children. So that that is a major uh, scripture. <laughs> Word is bigger than just a medical condition. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. It is. Yeah. So, yes, it's fine <laughs> to read the Bible, but the interpretation is really right. best through community because we all hear things differently. Yeah. This Sunday when we're talking about divorce. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody, there's a number of people there that's been divorced. Yeah. For many reasons. Yeah. And I don't think that Jesus meant to condemn them. Right. And divorce then was different than divorce now. I could write a yeah. of divorce. I don't like you because you burnt my food. <laughs> right. And then when you put a woman out, it was major. Yeah. Without a husband. Yeah. I mean, and no children. That's, they was major. And I think that's one of the things that makes that would drive me crazy about people who could just throw out Bible verses. It's almost like they, it was done in the spirit of weaponization. Yeah, exactly. And that is an issue now. They right. weaponize the scripture when it should be freeing. It should free us. The good news. The gospel, the good news. Yeah. And 
I mean, my way of thinking is if it if it's not if it's not got love in it, then you need to question or really right. And I'm not of a mind that all scripture is um, what's the word that they use. Um, That it, that it was all handwritten by God, because we know that's not true. Right. I mean, a lot of people think somebody tripped over a big book and it was the Bible out in the desert put together already. And that's not true. It was put together over hundreds of years. Right. Um, and then we could really... We well, can... you're talking about the New Testament. The Old Testament, absolutely hundreds of years. And then we could really get into all the different many books of the Bible, uh, the... Forget the word. The ones that are not actually included and are taken out. and uh, The Apocrypha. Uh, yeah. We can get all, into all kind of stuff uh, about that. I mean, uh, Martin Luther didn't think Revelation should be in the canon. John's, the Revelation of John should be in the canon. I don't think I knew that. Because it's weird. <laughs> it's a weird, weird book. But in the end, it's all about how... Do we cozy up with empire? Mm. And if you look around, I'm not pointing out any names. There's a lot of the church that has cozied up to power. Yeah. And John would totally, John of Patmos would totally take that to task. But that's not what the people preach about. It's about helicopters of the union helicopters and all, you know all of this crap that they can just pull out of Revelation, John's the Revelation to John. Um, Isn't it amazing how we have taken the Bible and weaponized it? Yeah. I mean, slavery, in so many ways, slavery. slavery. One of the aspects of the. Of the Paul talking about the slave, slavery was, oh, it's okay to have slaves. It's like we interpret it for a singular purposes, so we take verses out of context. I mean, you really have to look at the book, especially for the Gospels, and see where the trajectory is going. Instead of just using versus beat somebody up with. And I know most people who aren't don't know are ignorant of the Bible. And I mean not mean that in a they don't know the Bible. They haven't right. they grew up with it. But I know they all think Leviticus is a sex manual. <laughs> because that's you know, but that's where we get love your neighbor as yourself. As you love yeah. yourself. Um but yes, we should be reading our Bible, but we should be interpreting it in community and right. with guides. Uh, you know, there's so much written about what people think they meant. I mean, for a long time, people have been interpreting. Right. A long time. Right. People have been interpreting Scripture. Um, It's just, it's just the whole if thing. If it doesn't make the circle wider, I'm not. And I 
don't mean not have any, you know, have anything goes. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. Do you think, and this is me putting on, like, my interviewer hat, do you think that it's easier for you to have that kind of empathy as somebody who has been historically shut out of many churches? Absolutely. Because I was shut out because of Scripture. That was the weapon. That was the weapon. From Leviticus to Paul, and even Jesus' words about a man and one, you know, pleading, making, becoming one flesh. And that, you know, that's that scripture alone. Yes, that is true. But also, I think in Matthew, I'm pretty sure it's in Matthew, Jesus says, but not everybody can abide by this. I mean, what I hear is, this is normally what happens, but not for everybody. Right. <laughs> so, but nobody ever talks about that part. I have to look up that one. Uh, <laughs> let's let's turn to the good book itself. Let's find it. Matthew. Why, why do you think it is that so many evangelicals choose to weaponize homosexuality? Why? Why? I, you know, why would you? And I guess I should say tradition, part of its fear. Um, I mean, people, some people see in that that, oh wow, somebody I can finally beat up and there's no, nothing that's telling me not to, you know, because I can. Um, Part of it is because they, many, some, I don't know how many, uh, are homosexual themselves. And this is the way they keep above it, keep from acting it out, is they keep saying this to other people. Yeah. And it reinforces that they are not that way. Yeah. But... Let's see. I'm going to tell you right. I think it's Matthew. <laughs> uh, I need a large print Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness I have a, mic- a magnifying glass. There he is. I think this is it. certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. And Jesus said to them, it was because you were so hard-hearted that Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. 
And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for unchastity, and marries another, commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. <laughs> he said to them, Not everyone can accept this teaching, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. I'm dropping the magnifying glass. <laughs> so, there's your scripture to read. <laughs> Wait, which, Matthew, what Matthew, was that? That's Matthew 19, verses, oh, uh, that's uh, verse, that starts with verse 10, when the disciples okay. are not, better not to marry. So next time somebody wants to try to pull out the, the bad Leviticus, yeah, I can pull that one out. There will be, that's, nobody, I've never heard anybody talk about that. I haven't either. And so, in some perverse interpretation, it will be, he wasn't talking about that. But not that. But. But that, not that. Uh, well, you know, Love everyone, but not them. And people will say, well, you have, I'm biased. Sure. I'm, as W. Um, do you know who W.C. Fields was? Yeah. That kind of old-time, mm -hmm. way old comedian. Mm -hmm. He was in the hospital, and one of his friends came in, and W.C. Fields was reading the Bible. And the guy said, I didn't know you were a, a religious man. He said, I'm just looking for loopholes. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'm looking for loopholes. But... I, I still think it's how we treat people. I mean, I really yeah, believe that's I agree. what it all comes down to is how we treat others who are not like us. We're just supposed to love everybody regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Even those that are the inconvenient to love. Yeah. And it's sometimes that's, especially those. Right. Because they're the hardest ones to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's easy to love somebody that looks like me and acts like me and you know poor people who would do that but <laughs> it's harder to love somebody that has totally different ideas on stuff yeah Even. it's hard yeah not easy that's one of the things that i will always take away from i guess i can't remember if it was the bishop was either at St. Paul's or a, or a, I think he might have been preaching at St. Paul's, but he said that basically believing in Jesus will mess you up. It will mess. It will turn your world upside down. Yep. If, if you let it, if you go with the way. Right. And look at St. Francis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Look at St. Francis. Francis. Mm-hmm. Francesca. Uh, what was his first name? Uh, Anyway, I mean, he had his life all planned out until he didn't. Right. And his world started to get up, turned upside down. And then when he delved deeper into what this, what is this Jesus and all this, it turned his life upside down. Yeah. But now he's also the best well-known saint in the world. I mean, if that means anything. Right. Mm -hmm. It's hard to love 
people when they don't seem to love you back. We are a transactional people, no yeah. matter how you slice it. Yeah. If we do something for somebody, we expect at least a word of thanks or a word of kindness. Right. And the people that have not put their mask on that day may not give it to you. Yeah. And we may go off in a huff. It takes, it takes working on, I expect nothing from you, not even a word of thanks. Right. I'm doing this because you are a fellow human being, a fellow traveler. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people that hold doors open for people. And sometimes come out as well, right through, keep on talking, and it pisses you off. Pisses me off. Yeah. But then I think, I have to reel myself back in. I opened the door. But did I open the door so they would say thanks, or did I open the door so they could go through it? Right. Yeah. That's very true. Now, driving's a whole other story. okay so the other part of the clergy conversation it says share with your clergy sponsor about your spiritual discipline of scripture reading times that has been life-giving for you and what the practice is like in your life now ask your clergy sponsor to share the same uh so my spiritual discipline of scripture reading uh i guess right now is kind of limited to what we read in church um which is not i mean i guess really terrible you know it's and and there are times when it's been life-giving for me because i'm able to um reflect and think differently and and i actually kind of I, i remember once when i was much younger i mean I want to say maybe 11, 12, trying to read the Bible from like start to finish. And that's not an easy task. And, no, um, it's, it's not. I mean, there are guides that will right. help you with that. But I'll say it again. I think it needs to be done in community or at least community yeah. together. Sometimes to discuss what we've read. Yeah, um, and I, th- I think taking it in the bite-sized portions is helpful. Um, now, I do have a devotional that I'll pull out every now and then, um, which is nice, and it puts some things in perspective. And then when I was working at Peter Claver, um, the nuns gave us a devotional every year. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was very sweet. Um was I always very good about reading it? No. <laughs> well, a lot of people have been turned off by the Bible because, again, it's been used to beat them. Right. Uh, or the delivery has been so one-sided that there's no chance of even asking a question. You either believe yeah. it or you don't. And that's not the intended use for Scripture. Um... Is that why you sometimes challenge my darling daughter on her <laughs> viewpoints? Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I I'll do whatever it takes to challenge her. And you heard what I said about her acolyting. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I don't care if you're an atheist or not. Do you want what you acolyte? Yeah. She looks at me like, oh my gosh, I can't use that one. Uh, <laughs> So, but that's, I mean, that's an interesting way to think about it because I, 
you know, I do think that the whole idea of talking about it in communion, I think that is helpful. I, I draw a lot from community anyway. Yes. It is the individualistic Christian is pretty much an American invention. Mm. Because we are rugged individualists. Think that has anything to do with um, Calvinism and manifest destiny and all that stuff? Manifest destiny, absolutely. Uh, But really, Christianity, and I, I I can't talk about the other faiths. I'm not. I'm not. Right. You know, I'm not entitled. I'm ignorant of the other faiths that deep to know what how community works for them. It looks like, I mean, Judaism and, and Muslim pretty much looks like community to me. Yeah. But for Christianity, it is community. It is about Now, we may find ourselves alone. That's the whole beauty of it. We have a community somewhere that is supporting us in, the, in prayers. I know that's not a great thing now, because of the way people have been dropped through the cracks, and they will we'll pray for you. Right. But even Jesus talk, uh, talks about that. Oh, what gospel is about, you know, you just can't say somebody, well, I hope you keep warm. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and they're naked, and you're walking over them. Well, I hope you stay warm tonight. I mean, Jesus talks about that. Uh, it's just, it's, it is communal. And it has room for introverts. Yeah. It does. It is very interesting, though, to... I think I'm going to chew on that one for a while. The whole impact of Manifest Destiny on American Christianity. And if that is where... No, I know. And, well, Manifest Destiny has been pretty terrible in a lot of ways on American culture. Yeah. Discovery... um, The church, when they came to the New World, doctrine of discovery was horrendous on the native peoples. And the land, it was horrendous. And the manifest destiny came from that. Um, then it was, it's like what we did to people. Yeah. It's just horrible. Yeah, that's actually something that I have thought about exploring more, even in my PhD program, like the rhetoric of Manifest Destiny and this individualism in American culture and what that has done to us in so many different aspects, Um, how that's harmed so many people in the name of religion. You know, it's also one of those things that the oppressor becomes oppressed. It has also, you know, manifest destiny oozed in many different directions. Yeah. And with the native people, yeah, I would say uh, the people brought over here in chains also was was part of that. Right. Because they were forced to help us. Right. Manifest our destiny. Right. Uh, but it, it also affects 
affect it all. That's still the other side. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, the oppressor, I think, begins to lose their soul. Yeah. And it becomes all about uh, control, maybe. I don't even know if it becomes about control. It may become, a, well, dehumanizing others. Trying to find your humanity by dehumanizing others, you're going to lose it. Just tears you apart and inside out. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to lose your humanity. Well, I think I got like off topic with the. uh, (laughs) If if anyone can get off topic, it'll be me. (laughs) Oh, okay. So. Times when, with my spiritual, with my scripture reading, and it's been life-giving for me, what the practice is like in my life now. I mean, I could get better about that in community. Well, I mean, aside from actually going to church itself. um, Why do people want to read scripture? I'm not asking for the answer. I'm asking them, why does whoever out here, why would they care what scripture has to say? I mean, I would think it's because they want to know God more. The Franciscan theology is there's there's the first scripture, which is creation, which a lot of people like that. Yeah. Nobody really weaponizes it. <laughs> Right, yeah. And then there's the scripture that we have, the, the word, the written word. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I wanted to learn scripture, more about scripture, to be honest with you, because I had been beaten up with it. Yeah. And I wanted to know, is this really... Yeah, what, I mean, yeah, that's what the, what the yeah. my ancestors, my spiritual ancestors. Is this really what they are saying? Yeah, no, I had some motivation with that as well, just because I, you know, I see scripture being used against gay people, against women, mm-hmm. against black people. I mean, it's it's just, and to me, that's I guess that goes back to the whole gift of prophecy thing. It's just against Jews. Against okay, Jews. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just, it's, I have a real problem with weaponizing the Word of God. Against Muslims. Yeah. Uh, and, you know. It just is so yeah. wrong in so many different ways. And so I have wanted to have a better understanding almost to combat that. But then at the same time, I think I have found a better relationship with myself in the process, myself and God in the process. Absolutely, I did. Yeah, and it's been really life giving in in that uh, effect, I guess. Um, so, so I'm supposed to ask you, what is this practice like in your life now? And you're also supposed to reflect with me on what you have heard me say. And where do we see God at work? Okay. Well, in my life, I mean, I, 
my, my sermon writing and <laughs> my Christian, uh, Christian formation classes that I try to come up with from time to time. Uh, I, I mean, the last 15 years, I've dealt more into Scripture than I ever did before because I, I didn't feel there was anything in it for me until I said, wait a minute, this isn't making sense. Right. So, and, you know, sometimes you hear a knocking. I didn't hear a knocking. I thought I heard a motorcycle go by. I'm telling you, in this place at night, <laughs> you should be here by yourself. Yeah. I'm good. Okay. Anyway, we're, uh, <laughs> We talk, what was I talking about? I forgot. You talk about the scripture reading in your oh, life yeah, right now. A lot now. of people get their faith. Their faith is totally shattered when they go to, to a seminary that actually lays it out there for you. Oof. Because this isn't what they they thought. This mm. just isn't what they've been told. For me, it was just the opposite. Right. I was like, wow, it's not all cut and dried. There's a lot of room for interpretation. Yeah. And a lot of it has been misinterpreted. Right. So, for me, I'll, it was freedom. Right. But for others, it, it does, it, they don't look at it as freedom. It, uh -huh. as, uh, um, it destroys their faith. Mm. But I'm going to say their faith was in something that really wasn't. Right. Not anything against them. But yeah. they had been led in a different path that I don't feel was the gospel, but I'm not the arbitrator about that. Um, what I heard you say is that most of your scripture learning has been in worship. Mm -hmm. um, and But again, we do read, as our revised common lectionary, we read a psalm, and three uh, pieces of scripture every Sunday. Uh, and hopefully the preacher, the priest, <laughs> will at least hit up on one of those. <laughs> right. Uh, so sometimes they miss. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I certainly would recommend doing a book at a time, like starting whatever book you want. Yeah. Mark is a fairly, it's a fair, I Mark to start with. It's not <laughs> over intellectualized. Mark's pretty simple. That doesn't mean it's all understandable. But right. It's pretty, and, uh, or you can start with Genesis. Start with the Old Testament. About two or three creation stories. Yeah. I may start with some prophets since apparently that's a gift of mine. Prophets are great. I love some, I love some of the prophets. <laughs> Which but ones are keep favorite? in mind, I love them because they I felt that they were like you brood of vipers, you know. <laughs> but keep in mind, I will, and this is what Bishop Wright really helped me with. And I think Walter Brueggemann touches on this too. Is that they're not necessarily they're angry, they're hurt. 
Yeah. They're hurt by what they see. How people are, primarily, how people are treating the poor. I can identify with that. So, just keep that in mind when you're reading the prophets. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's, it made, it's made a big difference. Because I was, right during the beginning of the pandemic, I was, uh, I was having a difficult time. And uh, I thought, what Bishop Wright called me out of the blue. And we started talking about the prophets and all this crap going on. And he reminded me that it wasn't just anger. That they were hurt. They were hurting. They were hurting. Yeah. I, I, that was when I really got into his podcast. It was right mm -hmm. during the pandemic. And a lot of that was very helpful. I mean, a prophetic voice looks around and says, how can this happen? Yeah. And you have to be willing to say it to the people in charge. You may lose your life. <laughs> but God will take care of you. Yeah. Kind of like that time I got real mad and drove up to the diocese. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into that. <laughs> I mean... Okay. Like, I've had multiple people say they still don't understand what happened there. And I was like, me too. I tried to find out. Nobody would tell me. Yeah. Some of that's, I'm sure, for HR. No, I wasn't saying. Well, some of that, I'm sure, is HR stuff type. Sure it is. So you can't Absolutely. get into that. But I do remember that was um, the, the last Sunday that Father Hal was there. Um, it was just emotional i mean i just remember being in in tears coming out of the communion and i remember they um forget the i guess that we break bread together on our knees was the communal communion hymn let us break <laughs> bread together on our knees mm -hmm. and it was i just i couldn't sing it i was just this is too much but Father Hal also had been there for me after my divorce because right. I had been going to Christchurch <laughs> and that's where my ex-husband's family went and they were very involved there. And I was like, oh, there's no way I can keep going. There's no way I can keep going to Christchurch. We well, get attached to priests and, and churches. And, yeah, I mean, I understand that. Yeah, that was a hard time. And the fact that nobody was really saying what was going on was frustrating. Yeah. Sometimes what we don't know, we make up. I'm not saying you did. Yeah. But, you know, you sort of have to fit pieces together. And sometimes it's not a pretty picture we paint. Um, it's like I am... Arthur is not, has not, is going somewhere and has not called me when he said he was. I already saw painting yeah. the picture that he's in a ditch somewhere with cars. Right. So. <laughs> well, I think we all do that to That's some extent. Me, so, yeah. I do that too. Yeah. My anxiety kicks in. Yeah. So, we're also. I also had a mother that could come up with every possible 
<laughs> every policy needed to work for the government. She could look at every scenario and say, this could happen. <laughs> Wasn't she also a sheriff? She was. <laughs> but that, that part came from being a mother. <laughs> oh. If you don't tie your shoelace, you can wind up in the hospital. <laughs> I guess technically she was correct. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like something I would say to my kids. Well, I wouldn't say Lily Kate because she's so on top of everything. Bishop is so absent-minded sometimes. He's in La La Land. Like, <laughs> Come on, Bishop. Oh. Okay, so now we're supposed to say... Um, where do we see God at work in all this? Where do you see God at work in all this? I think in the community. I mean, that's one thing that... Where do you see God at work in reading scripture? Community? Yeah, I think so. Especially when, I mean, when we're reading scripture together in church as part of the liturgy, it, it is a communal act. Absolutely. Maybe we're not all talking out loud about it, but we're at least, I think, reflecting together and possibly even talking about it after church. Yeah. So I'm talking about the sermon. That is the preacher's dream. <laughs> Is to have people talking about the sermon after the service. Rusty and I did talk about oh, it after great. the service. Great. No, we don't want to talk about how bad it was. No, we weren't talking about how bad it was. <laughs> My mentor, God rest his soul, he just died a few months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Told me that people will forgive you for a short, bad sermon. <laughs> but people will never forgive you for a long, bad sermon. <laughs> that was one, one thing Rusty said. He goes, I like the short sermon. <laughs> like, oh, okay. And then I did say to him, I said, what do you think is the focus of our church service? And he was like, communion. I said, yeah, that's the most important part is the Eucharist is communion. And I think that's something that... Um, I didn't really appreciate when I was small. Well, but here's the way the Episcopal Church holds both the, the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the table. We try to hold those in tension, hold them up sort of equally. Mm -hmm. Some of our sister churches, it's all Word and mm -hmm. no sacraments. Yeah. And then some of our more Roman Catholics, it's brothers and sisters, it's all sacraments and not much word. So we really try, and sometimes we fail, but we try to hold those both up. But mm -hmm. if I had to say, for most people, it's going to be the sacrament of communion. Yeah. So. I think it's, um, and of course that's very interesting for him because he comes from a Baptist tradition. So did I. Yeah. I didn't take communion until... Until I was in my late 20s in an Episcopal church. I was growing up in my Baptist church. Every time the communion cups <laughs> went around, it was like, if you take that and you're not worthy, you're going to hell. Who the hell is going to take it? 
I mean, just, uh, just, man, I knew who I was. I knew what was stirring part of me. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it. I mean, when I was old enough, I, I, I wouldn't take it. After I'd been baptized, I wouldn't take it. God, I just felt God didn't want me in God's banquet. But I told you that story about mm-hmm. going to the Episcopal Church the first time. Before yeah. I took communion. That's just, and it felt good. Yeah. It felt really good. I knew I was home. Hmm, that makes me want to cry. Makes me want to cry. That was good. That's what it should be. That's what it's supposed to be. If I, someone yeah. said, I don't know who it was, if you don't hear the chains drop off, then it may not be for you. I think that's the thing that I keep like coming back to with this is wanting people who have felt shut out to know that if they want it, they are welcome to it. A lot of people have been shut out so much and hurt so much, they don't want anything to do with it anymore. And that'll let you know really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't minister to them. Yeah. Yeah, to their needs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some people don't want nothing to do with it now. For you know, many different reasons, but most of it is because they've been hurt some way. Yeah. That's, but I do yeah. think most people, many, many people, Respond to the to the actions that we give, rather to the words. Uh, the scripture may not be the best way. I mean, people will look at what you do. You can profess to be the best. We all know this. The biggest Christian in the world. But when you hurt people deliberately and the the actions speak louder, who mm-hmm. is it? Said people may not remember what you said. They remember what you did. But they remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is true. Yeah. That's. I think it's true. Yeah. That's true. So what was the other thing I was supposed to? That was it. What did I do? Yeah. I think we managed to cover a pretty wide gamut. We got all around, we got all the different points, and fit in some good old history, American history lessons and manifest destiny. And, and my Kentucky windage. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you know what that did? Lie, not lying, but talking a lot. That's okay. I do the same thing. I enjoy it. I mean, that's the other thing. We've got to make space. It's not, this isn't just something I came up with. This is, a lot of people came up and make space for people to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. I love hearing people's stories. Mm-hmm. And by telling stories, it means I'm not sitting there criticizing you. I want to hear your story and everything that goes with it. Even if it, I find it offensive, I want to hear it. I want to hear that story. 
giving space well storytelling is a big part of what I do every day anyway I mean it's what I teach my students is is the fundamental core of everything uh, I don't care if it's social media journalism any of it it's all storytelling and this this book here that says Bible on it <laughs> it's all story I mean it's stories yeah And where we've run into a big problem in the, in the Americanization of Scripture in the Western world, we ask, is it true? And we try to prove that it's true, or we try to prove that it's not true. We're missing the whole point. What does it mean? What are we supposed to get out of that? That's the question. Yeah. Not that Balaam's ass really talk. Right. <laughs> That's not the point. That's point. not the point. Are we being good to I each mean, other? I mean, admittedly, it's a great story. <laughs> right. But what are we supposed to get out of that? Yeah. For me, what it all comes down to is, is love each other. Be decent yeah. to each other. Be kind to each other. Be kind. Um, and I know some people get really upset when you say, oh, that's all Jesus wanted to say is to be kind. Yeah, I think pretty much pretty it, much, yeah. And I can tell you, we're not doing it. No. <laughs> and I don't know that we ever have. Yeah, no. And and myself included. And I don't mean that in a, a cop-out, I'm human kind of way, because I, I don't always like it when people say that. And sometimes it's the only thing we've got to refer to. Right. But... It's more of a, I'm going to fail, and I'm sorry about that. But and I'm going to try to be better. Right. Yeah. We are, and the story is that we fail. Mm -hmm. The story is we fail, and God still loves us. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try and pick ourselves up the, and be better. Right. And, you know, the story, we call it the prodigal son, that <laughs> uh, should have another title about the, whatever the accepting father the the merciful father or whatever the mm -hmm. story is he failed more than once big time mm -hmm. and his dad watched for him every day on the horizon to come home that is the good news mm -hmm. that's the faith Yep. But no, did that really happen? Of course, Jesus said that was a parable, so maybe we're not spending our time as a time. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't take the Bible literally. Right. Meaning that I just sit down and read it, read the words that I'm in the interpretation that I chose. And say that's it. Right. That's not reading the Bible. Yeah. And that goes back to where we started this conversation. Yeah. That is my concern when people say you need to read your Bible more often. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, it's like doing a high school. Yeah, I read it. <laughs> yeah. Check it off the but list. Did I yeah. read it. 
Yeah. I was like, great. And we didn't pray this that's all right. <laughs> I'll pray it. Okay. Okay. There's a great collect. Uh, I actually love it. We sent it not too long ago. Um, I Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, that thou, which thou hast given us through Jesus Christ our Savior. I mean, that is it. Read, mark, learn, inwardly digest. I, I love that comment. Because <laughs> uh, some things... Don't say well with us, honor. Yeah. I'll be the first to say this. I find some offense in some of that. But that's that's me. I mean, yeah. you know. If we're not growing in this and if we're not analyzing it and questioning it. If you're not inwardly digesting it, it's okay. sort of meaningless. Right. Yeah. I'm in. But it takes work. I have a family member who says they would like to do more Bible study. And the suggestion was, well, there's lots of books. People have written really well-known scholars that have written about the spirituality of this and all that. Oh, no. I don't want to read that. I don't even want to read the Bible. And I can guarantee you, they never read the Bible. <laughs> Therefore, what I heard was, I don't want to do any work. I want to lose weight, but I don't want to do any work. <laughs> you can't, know? It can't, we can't be lazy Bible readers. <laughs> so, that is Gotta put my in the work. concern. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with, let's all read the Bible. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that they did touch on that in the, in the podcast. Okay, I feel like they did. I, I don't remember exactly for sure. Cause it, I mean, it was a week ago when I listened to it, but, um, or well, I listened to it on Friday. That's when it comes out. Today's Tuesday. So it's been a few days, but, um, but I listened to that podcast and then I watched the videos and I was like, Ooh, that's basically what they're both talking about the same thing. Okay. All right. <laughs> We had a guy, a young guy here, who uh, was an old, I called him the old, an Old Testament scholar. And he loved the Bible as literary narrative. He loved the Old Testament. Because if you start reading it, and start l really reading it, there's some people that don't come off too good in there. One of them is David. Yeah. Uh... You know, David makes me feel good <laughs> because of all the things I've done. <laughs> I've never done what David did yet. I know I'm still alive. There's still time. But, <laughs> uh, and David was God's favorite, one of God's favorites. Yeah. So, but the taking it as, as a literary narrator, it really opened a new avenue for me. He was, he was great. I wish he was still here, but they moved. Oh. I was skeptical 
because he went to Liberty University, which is oh, I know. conservative. Well, this guy was as dumb as left as you could get on scripture. And it, he was good. Because he loved it. Well, would you like to wrap up? Uh, you want to pray? Yeah, I'll pray. I like just randomly opening. Sure. This is prayers for the church. I opened it up. I looked at both for the church and for the diocese, so I'll say both. Okay. Gracious Father, we pray for thy holy Catholic church. Fill it with all truth, and all truth with all peace. Where it is corrupt, purify it. Where it is an error, direct it. Where in anything it is amiss, reform it. Where it is right, strengthen it. Where it is in want, provide for it. Where it is divided, reunite it. For the sake of thy, for the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Savior. Amen. Amen. And then it says for the diocese. O God, by your grace, you have called us in this diocese to a goodly fellowship of faith. Bless our Bishop Robert and other clergy and Ben, Arthur, and all our people. Grant that your word may be truly preached and truly heard, your sacraments faithfully administered and faithfully received. By your spirit, fashion our lives according to the example of your Son, and grant that we may show the power of your love to all among whom we live, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Those feel rather uh, pertinent to what we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah. Mm. Well, so I, certainly do. That's why I like opening it up randomly and just seeing what I come up with. Um, the, uh, I forgot what it's called. The Rabbi Aaron. Rubenstein? Ruben, yeah. Um, they do something where they stand in a circle. I've done it before. It's really good. And he opens up the, uh, you know, their Hebrew scriptures and reads a part that you're standing in front of. Some way, he doesn't choose it. It's there. Because it's, mm. it's all written on a piece of paper. That's what it is. It's all written, and they unroll it, the scrolls. And whatever part you're holding, he reads, and it, it may have something for you. Hmm. It's really, there's a name for the, the time that they do it. Oh, I think that's, neat. that's very cool.